My name is Mark Madison, and I am so very proud to have Fujitsu General America as a sponsor. At Fujitsu, they're focused on partnering with the best distributors and contractors to ensure that each Fujitsu heating and cooling system brings infinite comfort to every end user. Dr. Greg Reed, award-winning author, keynote speaker, film producer. Greg is an entrepreneur known for his giving spirit and a knack for translating complicated situations into simple, digestible concepts. Good morning. This is Mark Madison on Books and People. Today, I am absolutely delighted and excited to introduce Greg Reed. Greg, how are you this morning? Amazingly great, and I love the title of the show. Oh, thanks. Well, I borrowed it from somebody that we both knew, Charlie Tremendous Jones, and that's where we met in 2008. I know. It's such a throwback. When your name popped up that we're having a conversation, I go, my goodness, it has been so long since we've had the band back together. So it's great to hear from you again. 13 years went by in the blink of an eye. Now you're going to love this. So just as of this week, I don't know if you know this or it's coincidence or kismet or what, but my second biggest best-selling book I ever had, I co-authored with Charlie Tremendous called Positive Impact. And I decided to come out with a third or fourth printing. And so Tracy Jones, his daughter, myself and Charlie, we put on the cover of the book and we just released it this week on Amazon. That's so great. Congratulations. Thank you. Throwback. Right. Call back to 2008. So what? I went on your website. You do so many things. You're a blogger. You're a podcaster, a best-selling author, speaker, a filmmaker, and you host something called The Secret Knock. Would you tell us about that? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. When everyone else was doing these events, and they still are, and you've probably seen them, they pop up and there's you know little circles with the speaker's pictures and what you're going to learn. I decided to go about it George Costanza opposite day, kind of like a Seinfeld episode, right, right. where we create an event where it costs a lot of money to go and we will not tell you who will be there or where it's at. Nothing. And so you just got to trust us. And we've been going for 15 years and we've been ranked Forbes Magazine, Inc., Entrepreneur, uh, Yahoo, top event in the entire world for business leaders. That's crazy. And you've had some pretty high profile guests. Oh, yeah. And it keeps getting better. I mean, what's really neat is that I don't know about you, Mark, but I got just kind of fed up from hearing from all these coaches and teachers and wannabe, you know, Instagram gurus out there. And I said, what if we could actually sit down and go face to face, knees and knees with the people who've actually accomplished what all these people are talking about? So basically at our event, if you want to, you know, have a new clothing line, go over to the taco bar because there's Brian Smith, founder of Ugg Boots. If you got an idea for a new you know, game, we'll come over here. Here's the guy who did Pictionary and the upcoming one. We've got the guy who created, um, you know, one of the biggest games in the world called Call of Duty. So what would it be like to actually hang out with the people who are accomplishing what everyone else is just dreaming? And you got guys like John Travolta and Matthew McConaughey. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, those people I met at an event called City Gala up in uh, Los Angeles a few years ago. I got to tell you one of the coolest things is I got John Travolta to teach me the Pulp Fiction dance live on Grammys night <laughs> at the Disney theater. And it was one of the, what, the what highlight moments of my life. It was unbelievable. Truly amazing. Yeah. You, how, how do you get it all done? I mean, you do so many things and I consider myself a pretty busy guy, but you, you know, 
what you're doing is extraordinary. How do you balance it all? Yeah, pure delegation. Look, I, I'm probably the least qualified guy to do what I do. And the secret is you work your strengths and you hire your weaknesses. Mark, you told me this. <laughs> I remember that. Work your strengths, hire your weaknesses. Yeah. The yeah. secret of success. It's the application of that wisdom that all the miracle lies. Right. Yeah, it's execution, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny. Right now, I've got a major motion picture that's trending worldwide on Netflix. You know, we we're up for the Oscars last year. And, you know, at no time did I ever run a video camera. I didn't do casting. I didn't make clothes. I didn't do, you know, the concession stand, nothing. What I did is I produced a movie by bringing all the people who excelled at something I would struggle at. We came together as a collective and now are inspiring the lives of tens of millions of people. Where could we be right now in any business we're doing if we had that same mindset? Right. There's no limit. Well, there is no limit, especially, you know, Napoleon Hill always talked about the power of collaboration over competition. And that's how I live my life. But more importantly, that's how we could all be, especially coming out of this uh, year that we've just had. For example, let's say things start opening up in California, which we know they are. And let's say you had a pizza parlor and a strip mall. And in the corner, there was a liquor store. And you both, you know, fought over parking spaces. And you're like a scene out of West Side Story. You know, right. You're a jet, right? And you got to fight all the time, right? The well, sharks and the jets. Exactly. Yeah. Now, what if you came in the middle and said, hey, let's stop. Let, let's collaborate. It was a sucky year for both of us. What can we do to collaborate moving forward? And the pizza guy might say, hey, tell you what, every time we deliver pizza, what if I put a coupon for a discount for your liquor store? And what if every time they go to your liquor store and they check out, you give them a discount for my pizza? Well, what right. would happen? Both ships would rise because you're helping one another. And that's the mindset that I like to have and same as my friends. It reminds me of the story about the 1904 uh, gathering in St. Louis, the World's Fair. And the, and the, guy, with the, uh, the guy with the ice cream ran out of cups. And so the waffle guy in the booth next door said, here, try one of these. And the waffle cone was born. Mm, yeah, and there's so much of those opportunities that are around us. Another ice cream story, you know, there was always a stick, there was always ice cream, and there's always chocolate. But it wasn't until good humor shoved the stick in the ice cream and dipped it into chocolate that created <laughs> something to become a billion-dollar brand. Something that didn't exist before. Yeah. So, well, so think, well, wait, wait, stay on that one. Think about it. 15 years ago, we didn't have an Uber. We didn't have you know, Grubhub, we didn't have, uh, you know, a, an iPhone, we didn't have, think about it. How right. it have changed in such a short period of time? I remember being in the hospital in 2007, I had some surgery and a friend came in and he's one of these early adopters. His name is Mark and he had an iPhone. And of course, everybody else had flip phones. I said, what is that? And he said, oh, it's so cool. And he showed me and I go, ah, I don't know about that. That seems a little complicated. He goes, no, 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 it's really simple. And then he kind of walked me through it and I went, huh. And then a few weeks later, I was on a plane and a, who's sitting next to me, but this guy, this oil millionaire from Houston. And sure enough, he had an iPhone and he walked me through the same thing. And he said, hey, I synced it with my Mac. This thing's amazing. And that was it. I was sold. And never looked back. And never looked back. I, 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 I know what's interesting, too. A lot of people think that success they think that uh, wealth, they think that prosperity, they think that health, wellness, relationships is so elusive and difficult and hard, yet it happens in real time right in front of us, but not everyone does the adoption. So for example, no one listened to this, was not aware of Bitcoin, <laughs> right? Or Ethereum, right. or right. these things we're talking about, you saw it happen 
just they were skeptical and didn't do it or did do it or whatever. But the realities are it all happens in real time and slow motion right in front of our face. And the only difference between the people that, you know, succeed from it and those who don't are those who actually take action because it's the action and the law of attraction that makes our dreams a reality. Think it, feel it, get off your butt, take action and do it. That sure sounds like Napoleon Hill to me. Well, you know, a little bit. I, I, I don't know if you know this, Mark, or you're setting me up, but it's kind of kind of cool in the way. But when when Charlie Tremendous Jones, right before he passed away, he started a nonprofit to, for his namesake. And he did a board of directors with the most famous people, I won't name drop you, on here. And me, some knucklehead guy, trust me, there's no reason why I was on this list. And they sat me next to the head of Napoleon Hill Foundation, Don Green, the CEO. Yeah, I know and, Don. Yeah. And it became friends. And then basically Charlie told Don to give this kid, me, some 50-year-old guy, a shot. And uh, I was blessed to write the Think and Grow Rich series for the past, you know, all these years through the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And it's been really cool. So basically I have a Willy Wonka ticket to meet any human alive where I travel the planet to meet these amazing humans and then tell their stories in books and film. Not a bad racket. All thanks to Charlie Tremendous. Well, he changed my life. And I know he touched the lives of a lot of people that we both know. In addition to Charlie, who were your mentors? Who were the people that had a profound effect on your life? You know, it, you got the family dynamic. My mom was a great one. I've always sought mentors no matter what it is. And what to me, a mentor is different than a coach. A mentor is someone who's an old wise sage who will give you the direction you need and they do not charge you. A coach is somebody that takes that direction and kicks you in the butt that keeps you on track. Right. So I've had amazing mentors where all I do is I seek people who are getting the results that I want for myself and then I asked them for guidance. For example, when I went running with the bulls, I found the person who wrote the definitive book and said, where do I stand to have a great time and not get killed? So that's easy right here. When I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, I found the Sherpa that had climbed it 900 times. Wherever they put their blueprint, I put my blueprint. Same thing in books, same thing in film. Surround yourself with people who are doing what you want and you can do it too. And a lot of them are Dutch uncles. They tell you the truth, even though it might hurt. A good mentor will tell you what you need to hear and not always what you want to hear, Mark. Right. I, I, <laughs> I had a mentor like that. His name was Bill Cole. And he helped me close a $250,000 deal. And as we were it was halfway through, Greg, I was, I was kind of at a loss for words. And I kind of looked at him like help because it wasn't going the way I planned. And he jumped in. He asked a couple of questions. He walked up to the whiteboard. He wrote some numbers down. And the CEO said, do it. And as we were walking out, he turned to me and he said, I know you worked really hard on that the last year. He said, congratulations. And I said, well, Bill, I don't think it would have happened without your help. And he said, let me ask you something. Have you ever studied active listening? Have you ever studied Carl Rogers? I said, no. He said, that's obvious. And I went, oh. And so I spent the next year reading everything I could find on active listening. And guess what? It changed my life. And that's what Dutch uncles do. They put a rock in your shoe. And that's what I'm hearing you say. In addition to these guys that you reach out to, not only have they done what you want to do and been where you want to go, but they tell you the truth, the things you need to hear. Yeah, I, 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 you know, it's interesting. I'm actively listening to you and I'm writing notes. It's really interesting because sometimes we do the same actions, yet we call it different thing. I've never heard of the term Dutch uncle. And now I am just Googling it going, oh yeah, this is exactly what a great mentor would be. And I love the idea about a rock and a shoe. Yes. So for example, when people come to my home, 
the first thing I do, Mark, which is a little counterintuitive, is I put a ball in your hand, an actual ball. And whether it's going to be a billiard ball or it's going to be a football, a basketball, a baseball, it doesn't make a difference, a ping pong ball. I'm going to challenge you and talk smack the second you walk in the door. And the reason is, is how you play games is how we play life. Right. Will you be a gamer? Will you step up? Will you become uncomfortable? Will you complain about the rules? Will you bend them? Will you pay your debt if you lose? Or will you, worst case scenario, cheat? And within 15 minutes, I can tell every single thing I need to know about this person before I start negotiations. My father used to say, how you practice is how you play. Oh, oh. You know, what's interesting about that. I, 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 you know, in a lot of these old idioms are amazing. And some of them I've been questioning, even Charlie Tremendous, because what was true a hundred years ago, you know, or thousands of years ago, I question today. So for example, you know, Charlie Tremendous would say, you're the same today as you'll be in five years, except for two things, the people you meet and the books you read. And right. I, I, I know it sounds weird, but I don't believe that anymore. Um, I believe that in the olden days, but I believe today it's you're the same as you'll be as besides the people you associate with and the content that you consume. Yes. Because we don't read books anymore. You know, I write books. Trust me. You know, I've written 118 books now, 45 languages and have a star on the walk of fame. Yet, you know, I know that people are not consuming books the same, but they're consuming information way more than they ever did before. So now it's encompassing music, art, right? Uh, films, podcasts, podcasts. You know, documentaries. Look, my, my son, you know, the, the realities are, is he is a smart cookie yet, even though when he couldn't read and write, he could fix things and new stuff because he'd watch all these YouTube videos of how to. Anytime he'd sit there and say, hey, how do I take my keyboard apart and put it back together, he'd pop on a YouTube video and next thing you know, he knows how to do something. I'm going, it's a different world in which we live. The fact of the matter is within that you know, mobile device, whatever one you happen to own, you have more access to content and information than Bill Clinton did as president of the United States of America. And when you talk about Apple, it's very interesting. There's two interviews I did that were very, uh, you know, mind-blowing to me. One was Steve Wozniak, the guy who created Apple, right. John, the sales spokesperson, but the guy who did it was Woz. And I said, how did you create so much wealth and prosperity? And he says, you know, we embraced our lack. And I go, what? He goes, we embrace what we didn't have. I go, what do you mm. mean? He goes, everyone else runs from it. We ran. He goes, when microchip processors came out, they were so expensive. We could afford one of these chips. He goes, Job sold his car. I sold my calculator. We bought one chip. He goes, but Hewlett Packard and IBM, they'd make machines that go from point A to B with 20 chips. They had all the money of God. He said, I pull away five, get it to work with 15. He goes, I pull away five, get it to work with 10. Eventually, I figured out how to go from A to B with our one chip. He goes, but newsflash, we were not trying to be innovative or cool or aerodynamic. We could afford one chip. He right. goes, but by embracing that as an opportunity, we found the shortest, cleanest path. And by doing that, we changed the way people do personal computing for the rest of the world for the rest of their life. He says, where could you be right now in your own life if you stop looking at something as your greatest challenge, but it could just be your greatest blessing and opportunity in disguise? And what I'm hearing you say is it could be Occam's razor. The, the simplest solution is oftentimes the best. Yeah. I, I mean, again, what, speaking of that, and you're just like instigating all these ideas in my head. Ron Klein, a guy who comes to Secret Knock all the time, he, he automated the New York Stock Exchange, 
created the multi-listing service for realtors, but he also created the credit card magnetic strip on the back of a credit card, the reading device. And I asked him how he did it. And he says, well, he goes, when you went to the store in the old days and they give you a plastic card with raised numbers and letters. If you're leaving with some, you know, Tupperware or whatever, they'd look at your card and an accordion list of numbers on a piece of paper. And if your number wasn't on there, you had good credit and you could leave with your merchandise and they just take a copy of it. And he said, there's a way to put smarts in the card. And he said, real to real tapes, the 78 tapes were the cool things. He says, so I took a little strip of that and put it on the back of the card. He goes, but then I had to create a way to read it. And he says, so I put a stop and a start button and then the number in the middle. And then I made the human beings the actual device. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, you are the actual electric component device. And I go, how do you figure? He goes, you ever <laughs> notice when you swipe the card, you have to get it that exact right speed? He goes, I'm making you the real, the real tape player where you have to mimic that speed or it won't work. Wow. This guy's thought levels at a whole nother place. Oh my gosh. All these people. And again, talk about the opportunity to meet these amazing humans. Like I said, I'm a regular cat. Trust me. I'm just a regular guy in San Diego, but having the opportunity to go and meet these people have changed and transformed our planet earth. That's where the miracle lies because it gives you all these new concepts and aha moments. Well, even though, People don't read as many books as they used to. They're processing content in a different way. What books had a big impact on you, obviously, besides Think and Grow Rich? Well, you know, it's interesting. Majority of the books that I have written and participated have changed my life because you're so emotionally vested and you're meeting these people and you're hearing these stories right from the, you know, the, the human who created it. And that's gone on to inspire me because, again, you can receive great advice and counsel, but you have to apply it. But the greatest book out there that ever impacted my life, believe it or not, is by Jim Stovall. It's a book called The Ultimate Gift. Yes. If I could recommend anyone read a book, it'd be that. And just so you know, Mark, he and I are co-authoring a book right now called Passport, which we believe is going to become a mega worldwide bestseller in a major motion picture. And most people don't know he's blind, A, and B, that book was made into a film. Oh, and then the follow-up book was made into to a film and then the Christmas story was made into a film. I mean, this guy's made, I think like eight or nine major motion pictures. And again, talk about turning obstacles into opportunities. You know, Jim Stovall being blind realized that, you know, for the visually impaired, they couldn't enjoy television or movies. So he started his own television network called Narrative Television. And basically if you're watching Two and a Half Men, of someone would come on and narrate it and say, Charlie Harper walks into the room, picks up a coffee mug and says, and then they do their lines. And by having someone narrate what's going on, you physically get to see it and visualize it in your brain so everyone can enjoy that same information. So describe a recent victory for me, a, a big win you had recently. There's so many. Uh, I've got, uh, let me see, last week was another major best-selling book that just came out. Uh, we've got uh, another television show that just got greenlit. So on June 22nd, I get to go up to LA and film for 22 days. Secret Knock, it looks like the California is opening up the state again so we can have our first live event in a couple of years. So we're beyond thrilled and excited for that. There's just many, many of them. You know, I can tell everyone listening to this right now, prepare yourself, 
prepare yourself for the tsunami of success and opportunities that are about to come your way. You've done such a great job hunkering down and surviving this past year. Now it's time to start looking what's coming because a quarterback never throws a football where a wide receiver standing. They throw it downfield and let you run to it. Yes. Right now, there's more Hail Marys coming, and you better be ready or you're going to drop the ball. So right now, it's time to put that reticular activator and start looking what's possible because, trust me, great things are about to start unfolding right before your eyes. The tide's coming back in. Yeah, baby. Woohoo! <laughs> so let me ask you this. The person that inspired you the most, was it your wife? Was it your uncle? Was it your dad? Was it? Who was the person? Was it your eighth grade shop teacher? You know, it keeps going down. I have multiple mentors. So for example, I got to- Well, I'm thinking about the first one, Greg, the first I guy know, that just- I'm just trying to think. There's so many of them. Again, I'm one of those weird guys, Mark, that has lived his life constantly looking for mentors. I'll tell you one guy who changed everything. I guess my first big business mentor, his name is Jack. And if you don't know him, don't feel bad. You just don't know Jack. <laughs> So Mark, I was hanging out in this business complex and I just started my first business. I went, became an entrepreneur and there, and I figured this guy was smart. He had one of those tweed jackets with leather patches on the you know, elbows. Oh yeah. And one day he was fumbling through some papers on the floor and I went over, I said, I go, Jack, I go, will you teach me about business? I think I'm doing something wrong and I want to be a success. He goes, come back tomorrow at noon. I'll take you to lunch and teach you everything I know. I says, you know, cool. Were you a teacher or professor? And he goes, don't worry about it come back tomorrow. I'll teach you everything you need to know. I started walking out and I came back and I said, Jack, I go, just out of curiosity, what, did you run a business? Were you a president, CEO? He goes, yeah. He goes, technically I was a CEO, visionary. He goes, I started something small and it grew big. He goes, come back tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to set you straight. I left and I came back two minutes later. I go, Jack, I got to know. I go, what business were you CEO? What, what did you start? And he says, have you ever heard of Velcro? Wow. And sat him down the next day and he taught me everything. I needed to know. And that transformed my entire existence. And I'll tell you one thing he said, I go, how did you sell 5 billion people Velcro? And he says, I never did. He goes, I only sold five people. I go, what? He goes, head of automotive, head of aerospace, head of fashion. They found the application and brought it to the world. He said, stop trying to sell everyone. He goes, don't sell your books in the back of your car. You'll never get anywhere. Look for a way to leverage and capitalize on other people's success. So when Think and Grow Rich, Three Feet from Gold came out, we sat down with the largest bookstore in the world called Barnes and Noble and sat down with the founder and said, hey, let's do the first ever joint venture. And it was the first book in history that they published themselves. And by having that joint venture, who has a bigger email list, me or Barnes and Noble? <laughs> uh, they do. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. So again, you can get all these aha moments and you can get these great epiphanies. Yet, if you don't apply them, they, they fall in deaf ears. So the only thing I do different than most people is I learn and then apply. Yes. R2A2, recognize, relate, assimilate, and apply. Amen. There you go. It's the action, again, in the law of attraction that makes our dreams a reality. Think it, feel it, get off your backside, take action, and you've got to do it. And then one other quick story here. You were talking about the phone. I got to sit down with Marty Cooper who invented this actual cell phone. And I remember I was sitting down with him and I said, what is, I was working on a book called uh, Stickability. And I go, what does stickability mean to you? And he said, it has to be parallel with flexibility. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, if you're not willing to adapt and adjust, you'll get stuck. And he told the story about a spider monkey. 
you said in the rainforest, you can't catch it to it's too wiry and, you know, it's too smart. I'll figure it out. He goes, but one hunter took a heavy log, drilled a tiny hole, dropped a peanut inside and left it at the base of the jungle. The monkey would smell the nut, come down from the treetop, reach his hand inside the little hole and grab a hold of the nut. But then his fist becomes so big, he can't pull it back out and become anchored to the log. All he's got to do is let go, but he holds on with your life because it's nutrition. It's a nut and it's going to save him. The hunter comes by an hour later, captures the elusive spider monkey. But the moral he said is, are you holding on to your own nut in life? But it could be in the form of that job or the deal or a car or fear or a house or guilt or the past. And he goes, what you're holding on with dear life right now, just like the monkey was holding on to the nut, could also be the thing that's leading to your own demise. Sometimes you have to have the courage and fortitude to let go so you can adapt and adjust to live to fight another day. Yes. Let go and survive. Let go and thrive. Amen. There you go. That's the Man. name of our new book, Mark. Is it really? I don't know. Sounds like a good one to me. Well, let's do it. There you go. Say it. Boom, baby. Done. Boom. It's and so that's how collaborations happen right there. We go together like shop-a-da-bang-a-dong-ding-a-da-ding-a-doo. Exactly. So who, if you could... If you could go, okay, I know you've traveled a lot and I've done a fair amount of international traveling. Where haven't you gone that you really want to go? As crazy as it is, I've never been to any Asian country ever. <laughs> no so, China, no India, no? Nothing. And I, I've had a Japanese wife, a Filipino wife, and I've never ever been to an Asian country. So I think as soon as things open up, that's going to be my goal. I've been to all the European countries. I've traveled all, I mean, you, you can imagine anywhere and everywhere. And I got to tell you, everywhere you go, what's cool is I believe in something called TTE. And that's an acronym that stands for talk to everyone, because everyone you meet is going to know something you don't know. And I remember I've got some of the, my greatest lessons from a taxi driver in Bulgaria, all, all right. the way down to somebody in the, you know, Chile who picked you up at the airport. So it's really, really cool when you travel to also meet the, the people so you can learn something firsthand. Uh, I, I agree with that 100%. I had the privilege of speaking to 1,500 people in Istanbul. And Greg, I had five guaranteed funny bits in the hour that I had. And half the audience was wearing translation earbuds. So I'm speaking in English and this woman's translating into Turkish. And no one laughed. I was 0 for 5. Mm. And uh, afterwards, I asked the woman who hired me, I said, Benu, how did my talk go? She goes, oh, wonderful, Mr. Mark. Everybody loved your talk. I said, but nobody laughed. She said, oh, Turkish men don't laugh in public, sign of weakness. Oh, I, I said, do they ever laugh? She goes, oh, yes, with best friend in bar, three drinks. <laughs> oh, wow. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm not in Kansas anymore, Toto. You know? Yeah, yeah. you got you to know your audience. Yes. hundred percent. You know, it, it, uh, I mean, a hundred percent. And it's really interesting. I remember the same thing of, of being in these foreign countries. And when you are, they usually have these interpreters. Yes. And for me, I am a fast talker. And it's very interesting when you're on stage and you're saying, you got to believe in the beauty of your dreams. And then you pause and then they sit there and they're translating it and the people with the earphones and they're going blah 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 and then you gotta wait until and then go to the next line you have to wait for them to stop yeah exactly it's a whole different way of delivery but again gotta get used to it that's a big pregnant pause right there amen and and the idea is know your audience go with the flow and stay in focus so you can impact the lives of many that's awesome 
So you've interviewed a lot of interesting people, and I love the interview process. I think it's just a fabulous way to learn. Who's the most interesting or surprising person you interviewed? You know, there's so many of these ones. So I've had an opportunity to, you know, talk to everyone from, you know, Oscar winning, you know, celebrities down to the person who actually discovered the God particle in the CERN collider all the way from, you know, I mean, geez, uh, Edward Snowden while he's hiding in Russia. I mean, you, you name it, you go down the list. I, I've had a chance to meet some, some incredible humans and everyone has a different story and takeaway. Yet the simplest one, I believe, and my favorite was Evander Holyfield, of all things, the boxing legend. Mm. And I said, how did you win so many championships? And he said, I have a higher standard. And he said, in sports, I showed up early. I left late. I invented exercises. I had a higher standard and I won more championships. He goes, you know, where could you be in your own business if you raised your standard? I said, but didn't it hurt being in a fight? He says, yeah. He goes, but when you're in a fight, you don't focus on the blows. You don't focus on the pain. As soon as you focus on the pain, you end up on your back knocked out. But that's what people do outside the ring. They focus on gas prices, war, economy, and then they wonder why they never become a champion. And he pulled me in tight. An Adonis of a man missing half an ear, missing by Mike Tyson. He says, you know what the funny thing is? He goes, when you do win the championship, he says, everyone comes to their feet and they chant your name. They raise your hand in victory and a guy puts a big shining belt around your waist. He says, at that moment and at that second, you won't feel even one of the punches you took along the journey. But the guy in the losing locker room will have every bruise, every excuse for the rest of their life wishing they had a higher standard. Yes. You forget the pain. Yes, you forget the pain, but you remember the victories. So you got to keep pushing through. First, there's a dream. Then there's a challenge and then comes victory. Unfortunately, most people quit three feet from gold in the challenging times. Right. Would you, for those who don't know what that means, um, that's a story from Think and Grow Rich. Would you mind telling that story? Well, it's a story from my book called Three Feet from Gold. <laughs> so yeah, Three Feet from Gold is a story that we derive from Think and Grow Rich, the very first chapter. It's a story about a guy named R.U. Darby who had gold fever. He went out west, started digging, found a couple nuggets and got excited. He hid it, buried it, and went home and told his family and friends. They chipped in money to buy equipment to pull it out by the ore cart. And when it came out, it was filled with gold. Woohoo! They're going to be rich. But then the gold ran out. Kept digging, but there was no more gold. Defeated, Darby walks out of the mine and says, I quit, and sees a junk man walking by. And says, hey, buddy, give me 200 bucks. I'll say this mine, the deed, the equipment, I quit. The junk man surveying the equipment was worth thousands because the family chipped in and said, here's 200 bucks, you got a deal. Darby goes home defeated. But the junk man goes to an engineer and says, what happened? This guy hit gold and ran out. The engineer starts laughing. He says, that's mining 101. Everyone knows that gold runs in a straight line. It's called the gold vein. What Darby did is he came in one side, hit the gold and popped back into dirt. He says, go back to where they discovered treasure. Just go 90 degrees, three feet the opposite way. You'll tap back in the vein. Not only did the junk man pull millions upon millions of dollars out, but that's what helps fill Fort Knox today. And the moral is how many times have we or someone we know quit one class short from a degree or sales or market? It's easy to quit, but it's the people that persevere. They're the ones that we tell the stories about. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger calls it forced reps. There when it you think you're all done, you do two more. 
Yes. Well, that's, right? where, that's where the growth comes from. And exactly. you know, it's, it's interesting. And I'll give you the, the secret of how to do it. Surround yourself with people you have respect for, not people you have influence over. That's the mm. secret. Surround yourself with people you have respect for, not people you have influence over. And that's the big takeaway. You know, it seems like so many people have pooled the ignorance. Look, if you're a starving artist and you hang around other starving artists, well, that's going to be your outcome. But if you go in front of a, you know, an art gallery and they're pulling art off the walls and you see who's being sold and that's that person, how they're doing it, you're going to get completely different insights. So surround yourself with people that are getting the results you want and you can do it too. That's such great advice. So uh, two more questions and we're going to run out of time here. Uh, Number one, what book's currently on your nightstand? Hmm. It's interesting. As a matter of fact, that positive impact, because I just got it yesterday and I'm rereading it after 15 years. So that one's on mine. And then the other one here is, let me see here. I'm going to pull it out. Brian Tracy uh, just wrote a forward for it. It's called Sellership. And it's really cool because there's so many books on sales and sales training, yet this book is all about the power of sales uh, sales training for leaders. Meaning that if you are working in a company and your number one salesperson, you never want to pull them off the floor to become the sales manager because you're losing an asset and usually they're not a great manager. So how do you train sales associates to become great sales trainers so they can train others? And that's what this book's all about. Excellent. Brian is so smart. God, he's such a smart guy. Uh, I always enjoy his books. They're just loaded with content. Yeah. Last question, my friend. And let me just say thank you so much for making the time because I know you're a busy dude. Oh, uh, what advice would you offer your grandchildren? If you could tell them one thing, what would the one thing be? CPC. Uh, it's an acronym that stands for Clues, Patterns, Choices. Accountability and responsibility for every single thing that happens. It's your fault. And it works like this. If I go out on a first date and the woman happens to be 20 minutes late, anything could have happened. But there's a little red flag. It's a clue. But if I continue to go out with her on the eighth, ninth, tenth date, every time she's 20 minutes late, it forms a P, which is a pattern. But now it's my C choice. It's my responsibility, whether I deal with it or yell, I break up but it's not her fault. She's just late. Stop trying to change other people to fit into your own box. Newsflash, no one wants to be changed, but we'll see someone with a bad reputation in business. They cheat your best friend. You do business thinking, oh, it'll be different for me. Things go wrong and you're mad at the person. You saw the clue, you saw the pattern, you made the choice. It'd be like seeing a rattlesnake rattle, bite your kid's sister, you go to pet it, get bit, and you're mad at the snake. Looking back, Rarely will we be angry at the relationships that failed or negotiations that fell through. We'll just be mad that we stayed in too long because we saw the clues, we saw the patterns, but we made the choice. I'm 100% responsible for my actions and decisions. There you go. Well, so how does somebody get a hold of Greg Reed for a keynote speech or to get his books or you know, just to talk to you? Oh, I appreciate that. Well, you can just... Go to any of my websites, Google, wherever, gregreed.com. But the main thing is go to Instagram, you know, Greg S. Reed. It goes right to me, my cell phone. There's no screeners or anyone. It goes directly to my DM. So you want to reach out. My only request is I don't like to talk about the weather, what you eat for dinner, and, you know, family situations. But if you go, hey, what's a good business book I should read or who's a good contact I should have for over here, reach out right away. And then for the one person who's listening and says, I want to go to Secret Knock, you go to secretknock.co, 
we left the M off so no one would find this yet. They still did. It's going to be live this September. And I'm going to tell you right now, Mark, it will be phenomenal. Like nothing else you've ever seen. That's awesome. And that's Greg, G-R-E-G, -E and then Reed is R-E-I-D. You got it. Thanks for having me on today. I appreciate you giving me some moments. Greg, uh, talking to you is like trying to take a sip of water out of a fire hose, my friend. Let's go. Love the Charlie Tremendous. <laughs> we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Bye now. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fujitsu General America. And like this podcast, they're focused on education and development. From the day they sold their first comfort system in North America, they've been unwavering in their focus on training. It doesn't matter if it's application, installation, or service. A better trained technician brings better value to the homeowner. So when you're looking for infinite comfort, think Fujitsu. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454. Or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.